today we begin a brief two-week series talking about giving. And as Donya mentioned, talking about tithing. So, um, yeah, you came to church this morning, and here we are. Well, um, <clears throat> we will give an opportunity here in just a couple of minutes for you to text in some responses. Around here, we'd like to have a dialogue, not just a monologue, but you get to engage, and we do that through text messaging. That number that is right up there will come back up on the screen a couple of times during the message today, two, two times for you to give some, some input. And so some of you are already loaded up and ready to fire away, and that's great. Hey, as your pastor, over the years, every once in a while, it's once in a great while probably, somebody says, Isaac, you're really smart. And um, I don't think I'm very smart, but I do know how to pay attention. When someone is delivering a message, I'm going to speak on behalf of all communicators everywhere right now. I presume that that person is going to be used by God to speak to me. Actually, George said this in his message last week. He grew up believing that his pastor was was going to be able to give something from God to him. I think that's why some people think I'm smart. I've done a lot of paying attention over the years. Therefore, I focus. I focus. So I would invite you to assume that God has something to say to you today. And therefore, you might adjust some behaviors. For example, you might choose not to play word games on your phone over the next 45 minutes or so. That might be something that you would do. I don't want you to waste your time. I don't want you to waste my time. Are we there? Are we okay? Is that okay for me to say? Well, I said it, so there it is, yeah. Let's stand together, we'll read the scripture this morning, and then we'll jump in. Second, I'll read the words in white, you read the words in yellow. Second Corinthians 9, 6 through 10. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. The word of the Lord. So grateful for the scriptures. Money is a challenge for all of us. Money just, it, it amuses me. Like nobody at any point in your life had to convince you like money works, like here's how it works. And, and it provides this power for us to exchange goods and services. You just, everybody just believes that money works. 
And it kind of does. I was talking to my friend Tyler Nice, and he says, currency is like Santa Claus. It works if you believe in it. And we're all believing in it, so it works. If we stop believing in it, what's going to happen? Money is a challenge for all of us. Silicon Valley Bank, have you heard of this bank? Yep, you probably heard of it. Maybe you didn't know anything about Silicon Valley Bank until this last week because the bank failed. And a lot of people, money became a problem again. Inflation, you've heard of inflation? Yeah. Rising interest rates? Yep. Yeah, money and the dynamics around money and our personal finance and our together finance, which we call the economy, poses problems. It's challenging. And it affects every one of us. And today we're going to talk about money. Um, And next week we'll craft where we're going based upon what I learn about you today as we interact. So we're talking about money in church. And a part of me feels bad for you. I want you to know this. I feel bad for you because there are famous Preachers and evangelists on TV and the internet who have taken advantage of you. Who have taught you something about your generosity that is directly tied to their opulence and their wealth. I feel bad for you. The Western church has engaged with all sorts of capitalistic methods. And so you have seen great extravagances done on by the church. And I feel bad for you because then when we talk about this thing of tithing, those are the things that often you might have to wrestle through. I feel bad for you because you live in a society in which we are the wealthiest society of all time. And yet you have been tricked and duped into overspending, consuming, and living therefore in slavery. And certainly you have a responsibility to play within that. But the whole system is set up to entrap you. And so as we talk about money, as we talk about resource, as we talk about generosity, I feel for you because you have been misled and you have often been enslaved. And so I feel bad for you. The only thing to do, however, is to talk about it through the lens of God's word. And so in that way, I don't feel bad for you because there's great freedom as we talk about this together. So here comes your first opportunity to give some feedback. Get your phones out. Everybody get your phone out. I know I just told you to put them away, not to play a word game, but to send some words to me so we can have a really rich conversation. I want to know, and this will be anonymous. This is not, you know, what emotions do you experience when money is talked about in church? Some of you might be the first time here and you're like, oh, geez, this is exactly what I didn't want. And, We'll have to trust God together on that one, okay? Or number two, I'm very curious about this. Please let me know, what are you afraid that I'm going to say today? Okay, you have 60 seconds to quickly text in an emotion word, or what are you afraid I'm going to say on your mark, get set, go.
Okay, that was quick, wasn't it? Yeah. I've already got some responses pouring in, and uh, I am, I'm proud of you for your honesty all, already, and I think, yeah, I'm, okay, so I'll just read a few. Um, interested, uncertain, yeah, guilt. This is, uh, I feel joy because of the freedom it has given me. I am, this person says, I am reminded of how God provides. It makes me feel safe because I know of how he provides. And I know you're talking about provision, not giving away a resource. Now this person said, I feel trepidation, anxiety, and shame. Somebody said, hard to think God wants money that should be for my family to go elsewhere. Somebody said, I'm afraid I won't have enough to take care of bills. And (laughs) somebody said, in regards to question number two, what am I afraid you're going to say? That I have to pay today because I only have $2 with me? Um, (laughs) Number one, what, uh, what do you feel? Or I think of a form of worship when I think of money in the church, that it's a worship. That's right. Okay, somebody said, I'm not afraid of anything, you will say today, Isaac. Yeah, that's great. So, uh, somebody else, a small amount of guilt, I feel, because I know I could give more. What is funny is we were just talking about upping our tithing last night. Timing, anyone? <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, emotion, I'm ready to give. It's a reminder that is needed to be said. Number two, afraid that you will not be brutally honest Ooh, thank you. All right. Um, <laughs> I, will, I will be honest. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, lots of emotion. I feel curiosity. I've seen different elements of the same scriptures emphasized in sermons. And honestly, the emphases are region specific to the part of the country in which I lived at the time. Interesting. Well, I can only claim, oh, geez, I just saw how many more are coming through. Um, Uh, I feel fear about money being talked about, but not afraid of anything that you will say. Uh, Afraid, show me your paycheck, this person said. (laughs) Like, I'm going to say that? (laughs) that, (laughs) Or were that person saying, show me yours? (laughs) Talk a little bit about our giving here, yeah. Guilt, I don't have more to give. Mediocre stewardship keeps me from giving lavishly. Just a ton of honesty. Um, Sadness, because I often have the desire to give, but most of the time don't have any to give. (laughs) Afraid of what Isaac's going to say, I want your money. Laugh out loud. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. Somebody apologized because they only had about a tenth of the time they needed to come up with a good comment. telling you, the sense of humor in this room is, is, is great. Mm. Uh, somebody says, I feel confusion. 10% of what? To which things? 10% plus or 10% of the total? Um, how to make sure it's adequate without paying too much attention and living by the law or feeling proud? We're going to get into some of these things. I feel guilt of not tithing. Um, are you afraid of anything Isaac's going to say? They said, no idea. Mm-hmm. 
okay, emotion, I feel restlessness, wariness. Um, number two, <laughs> afraid that I'm going to say that you should be giving more. Okay. Um, and finally, in churches that I've been to in the past, it makes me cringe when they talk about money because they tell me I will be blessed with money in return. And when they are trying to impress people with the money they gather, ooh, that is good. Well, there's just, you guys are great. <laughs> and uh, all of what you have just expressed is valid. And I think my intro comments reference some of that. It's a confusing time in the midst of a lot of money. Well, I have good news today. You guys ready for the good news? It's all good news when we're talking about the scriptures, but today the good news is we're going to talk about tithing, and here's why it's good news for you. I am going to argue against the rule of tithing. Now, what is tithing? Tithing is the Christian practice of giving the first 10% of their income, forgive the typo, to the church. Now, some of you are wondering where I'm going. I don't think it is a rule that we have to follow. Now, I asked you to be paying attention. I'm going to ask you to follow me all the way to the end. There's some reasons that I don't think tithing is a rule that you must follow. Let's define what a rule is. Rules are typically strict and absolute with clear consequences for breaking them. They are designed to be followed without exception and are often enforced through punishment and discipline. Some of you are concerned. <laughs> are you going to make me show us your paycheck so that you can check to see if we're following the rules? Rules are good. We need rules. They're like a fence. They create clear boundaries that we shouldn't cross, but they can also be restrictive and confining. Rules can be misapplied. Just like a fence will keep us from wandering too far off the path, rules keep us from straying too far. They provide tons of clarity. <laughs> However, like a fence, rules can also keep us from exploring new areas and experiences. So according to that definition, does the Bible require tithing as a rule that you and I are to follow? Does it, let's, let's explore this a little bit. The first response is yes. Yes, in the Old Testament, the Bible, um, tithing is in the Bible as a rule in the Old Testament. So the Old Testament is like the first revelation of God. It's an account of God's relationship with the nation of Israel through which came Jesus, which is the beginning of the New Testament. And in the Old Testament, it's quite clear. When God set apart the people of Israel to be a people, um, uh, to be set apart, to reflect him and to bring about his way on earth, he was creating a whole society with them and he commanded them to tithe. Deuteronomy says this in several places. You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year and before the Lord your God and the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there. You shall eat the tithe of your grain 
uh, of your wine, of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. The very end of the Old Testament has Malachi encouraging to bring the full tithe to the storehouse. And there's a lot to say there because their economy was a bit different. They didn't use money as usually as we did, so they would bring their harvest to the temple or to the tabernacle. And that was very clear. This is a very clear rule that God made. They, um, that tithe went towards providing for the, the needs of the Levites. And this was the tribe in Israel that performed the priestly functions. And those Levites, um, those priests and the workers of the temple or the tabernacle, they lived off these tithes. So that, yes, the first response is, yes, that is a rule in the Old Testament. But the coming of Jesus fulfilled the law of the Old Testament, and many of the rules have been done away with. Now we are to be driven by the rule of love, a very clear parameter of love. For example, this is all over the New Testament, but Paul writes this in Romans 13. He says, Oh, nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. Those are these rules. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. So now in the New Testament, there's this new, big, overarching rule. Love God and love others. Paul is writing to the Jews and telling them that love will direct them to fulfill what God wants. Now, in another letter to another church in Corinth, Paul writes to this church in regards to money. And we just read this together. Let me just read it again. You follow along on the screen. But remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides a seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Now notice he says we're not supposed to give under compulsion. If from the New Testament perspective, tithing was a rule, I think this would be a moment where Paul would remind them, don't forget to follow the rule of tithing. It's not a hard and fast rule. Rather, um, it's, it's a big invitation to live into the freedom of generosity. So yay, tithing isn't a rule that you have to follow. 
Yeah. For those of you who are very concerned about that, that you have this guilt and shame that if somebody was going to, one day there's going to be a rural review and you are outside of the bounds of the rule. Others of you, and this is honest, and this might be someone in this room, have felt like you couldn't give more than 10%. Like that was somehow not the rule. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> that's less often than people who don't give. <laughs> but <laughs> that's a real thing that I've received as a pastor. You see, it's not about rules. Rather, Paul is describing kingdom values of giving that support the ministry. Kingdom values. So let's define values. We've defined rules. Let's define some values. Values are a set of principles or beliefs that an individual or group holds to be important and guides their behavior and their decision-making. They are far less rigid than rules and less specific than guidelines, which we'll talk about here in a few moments. Paul is expounding on the value of generosity. Values are like a North Star. They provide us with a guiding light and direction for our lives, but they also require constant reflection and adjustment. Just like a North Star remains constant and reliable, our values should be foundational and unchanging. But they require constant adjustment. You guys are getting this, yeah. However, like a North Star, our values are not always easily visible or easily accessible, and they require us to seek guidance and direction. Paul is talking about the kingdom value of generosity, that we as Christ followers are invited into this generosity. He directly deals with their money because they're invited into being generous with their money for the support of ongoing ministry that is happening. He is, this is one of the kingdom values, the kingdom of Jesus, the values that are part of the kingdom of, uh, of Jesus. These values include love that we've talked about and justice and mercy and forgiveness and humility and peace and faithfulness. And generosity is a kingdom value because God gave extravagantly in creating the world, gave extravagantly in giving his only son to receive, uh, to make a way for us to be reunited with God, reconciled to God. So we, as agents of his kingdom, enact his value of generosity in every way possible. So what I'd like to go to do is to take a closer look at the passage that we have read. This is the big value of generosity. And there are a few principles that are in this that guide us uh, towards what it means to be a people of this kingdom value of generosity. So there's three we'll quickly take a look at. The first principle, we will reap what we sow. Paul says the point is this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. The, ones who, the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So in thinking about the ministry of New Hope Foursquare, if we do not sow generously into supporting the ministry here at New Hope, we will reap sparingly. This is a principle that we understand. But if we sow generously 
we will reap generously. Now, some of you are immediately thinking, yes, I want to sow generously with my time. I'm going to sow generously with my encouragement. I'm going to sow generously with my words. Those are all good things. Please do sow generously. Generously come up to me after this message and say something to the effect of, that is the best message I've ever heard on money. <laughs> Be generous and extravagant. But don't you ever dare think that this doesn't have to do with your money. I say that, lots of experience with fellow Christians. Hmm. The second principle, God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. Hmm. Each of you should give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And studying this passage, there are some commentators who have made the connection between the word joyful or cheerful here and our modern word hilarious. <laughs> so this may be stretching a little bit. We should be seriously minded about our giving, but we should never get serious on the side of worry or angst if we just give too much. Rather, we should experience the elation and the hilarity of giving. You know why? Because God has created this good world. God has given you what he's asked you to resource. God has provided for all of your needs. You're sitting and breathing here right now. Many of us carry too much weight because we have been extravagantly given all the resources that we need to live and to, and to function. Yes, we have stress and anxiety and we see things in the future, but we serve the God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. We serve the God who has every ability to meet every one of our needs. And so when a portion of our income and we're, we're, we're seeking to give it and it feels really sacrificial to us, we could be a joyful giver and we can even be like, <laughs> <laughs> I cannot outgive God. Whoo! That's a big statement. Because there's a line that we would all come to and say, well, this might be outgiving God. Like, if I give this much away, He won't provide for me anymore. My future won't be secure anymore. And I think God is like, really? Have you looked outside on one of the clear nights that we've had lately and have you seen how I've hung the stars just so? Have you noticed the preciseness that the universe is functioning in and I'm maintaining that just fine. Thank you very much. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to laugh with me. You've been deceived. You think you're your own maker. You think you're your own provider. You think all this stuff is yours. You think that you came up with it all. Ha 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 ha. A number of years ago, you know, I was, I was a youth pastor and we were young and, and uh, we didn't have very much money in the bank. We've always been um, uh, generous givers and have walked by the guideline of tithing and have just done that obediently and God has provided for our needs. And, and one day we, we learned about a family member that uh, needed to buy a a new car and they had this vision and we heard about it. And then and my wife's like, God was like, give him a thousand dollars. And she was like, what? You know, you know, like we, we already give and God just put it on our heart. And it was hilarious because that was a big deal. Do you know how many times I've thought about that thousand dollars since? Zero times. 
<sighs> Man, really wrecked our future. It felt like it. It was scary. We didn't wreck any future. Rather, we got to experience, whoa, God is providing and cares about that. God loves a cheerful giver. Here's a key point for those two of you that are writing notes right now. We don't give. <laughs> we don't give what is ours. We give what is his. We don't own anything. We are simply stewards. We live in an ownership-centric part of history and part of the world. And so we, we think of stupid things like owning land, like we own this. <laughs> we don't own land. We steward a marked out piece of property. We steward, we don't own anything. It's a falseness for us to think of ourselves as owners. We are stewards. And when we recognize that, it's much easier to give because we're just passing through what we are steward. That makes us cheerful. Principle number three, God provides for the one who gives. That's just true. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Praise God. When we give, we can immediately trust. Oh, I'm banking on something here. I'm walking in this pattern that has been proved throughout history that God provides for the one who gives. This is his world. My life is his life. He cares about it and has the resource to meet needs. Jesus picks this up when he says, give generosity. Here's the value of generosity and it will be given to you. Here's the principle. When we give, it will be given to us. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, be poured into your lap. Now, those are one of the verses that have been misconstrued by prosperity preachers who have told you, if you'll give today, I see millionaires in the room. <laughs> no, I don't see millionaires when people give. I see freed people. I see people that are freed from the burden of feeling like you have to manufacture your life. I, people, I see people that are freed to take a lower paying job because in the end, it's not about all the money and the accrual that you get. That's what I see. I don't see people being bound to the burden of having to amass fortunes that they have to take responsibility for. Have you seen what has happened when people get wealthy really quick? Like when that doesn't go well very often. 95% of the time it ends in disaster. And so I would never proclaim to you a gospel that one day you too can be a living disaster if you give today. <laughs> but rather I would say to you, and I see a couple of people in the room that have come to me with this, who have stopped the ascent track of getting more education and the best paying jobs for the sake of taking the lower road to interact with people and to love them in Jesus' name on the lower road. That's the kingdom. Actually, wait, wait, wait a second, <laughs> that sounds like Jesus. A little bit like Jesus. Philippians 2, that tells us that he descended he took on the form of a servant. And we too are to emulate that. So I'm sorry for those who have twisted this, these passages, and created a gospel that is no gospel at all. It is a means of making more wealth and accumulation. Jesus is the one who said, beware of 
being wealthy. It's easier for a, a camel to go through the eye of the needle than it is for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Paul says to warn those who are rich. There are, so anyway, why would the gospel be about you getting wealthy? If we give, we'll be provided. That's the principle. As I mentioned, Donnie and I have, have given regularly. And one day, one day in my mailbox at work, there was a cash gift of $1,000. And we're like, what are we going to do with this? And it was like, man, we're, we're going to go, I don't know, like a little vacation. We just said had no money. This was a big deal to us. And we were just so grateful. And we started to creatively think. And then the next week, we got this bill in the mail. Our car had been stolen a couple of years before. No, a year before. Our car had been stolen. It had been recovered. And we got a bill for storing our stolen car. <laughs> and I talked to some friends and they said, you're going to have to pay it. And I was like, this feels so unfair. And then we, what was the bill? It was about $1,000. We are provided for, not our wants, but our need was met. That's amazing, isn't it? Praise God. Here's what I think about tithing. I think it's a helpful guideline. In contrast to a rule, guidelines are more flexible and offer suggested courses of action or best practices without necessarily being enforceable. They are meant to provide direction and assistance rather than hard and fast rules to be followed at all times. Guidelines are often open to interpretation and can be adapted, whereas rules are not. So I made this chart for you to help you think about this. Rules, guidelines, values. We started by talking about asking the question, is this a rule? Rigid, clear, specific, bringing condemnation and shame for all those who are out of it, being very narrow. Like some rules are really good, like don't kill your wife. No matter how you think about her, don't kill your child. I mean, don't kill anyone. How about that? That's a good rule. It's a really good rule. Values are flexible. Kingdom values. So we're to be people of generosity. That's a value and it's, it's immense and it calls us into account in every area of our lives. Are we generous with our time? Are we generous with our listening ears? Are we generous with our attitudes towards people? The kingdom value of generosity is really big and actually the standard is higher. Jesus says, don't just not murder anybody, but actually don't be angry in your heart towards them. That's what he says. That's the big value. Guidelines are in between the rules and the values. And they give us something to measure. They give us a parameter. And that's what I feel like Jesus is inviting us as a congregation into. Courageously considering that the guideline of tithing is a great place to start. Guidelines are like a compass. They point in the right, right direction, but they we have to navigate as we go. There are individual realities that are true. I think giving the first 10% of our income to the ministry of the local church here at New Hope, if you're a member here, that's a great place to start. It's a great principle. 
It's a great guideline. It helps you to know if you're getting into the generous zone. I made another chart for you. Out of my love for you this morning, I thought this chart would also be good. We have two sides of this, this continuum. We have the Scrooge side of things, and then we have the generous side. And, you know, Scrooge says, mine, you know. <laughs> oh, Mike, we need a Scottish accent on that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Mike would be able to do that for you after church if you'd like. But this is the zone. And again, this is a guideline. But if you're, if you're somebody that is just unwilling to give your resource to the local church to support the ministry, you're walking outside of the biblical precedent and you're kind of on that part of mine. And you're kind of landing on that part of like, I'm going to be a taker and I'm going to allow everybody else to do this work. Now, I want to be very clear. Every individual circumstance is different in this room. But nobody gets to dictate to God, I will be generous with everything but my money. And so again, I think this is a good guideline. Move towards 10%, and then you're starting to get into the generous zone. You're starting to get into the zone of like, wow, God has actually met all of my needs as I've received 100% from him, stewarded that, giving 10%, and what else does God want me to do with my life? What else, how else can I be generous? There is a just amazing connection between people who get this and the spiritual maturity they start to walk out in their life. It's just a very tangible reality. And as a pastor, I can sniff it. I can smell it. I, I don't come to conclusions about people, but I can smell the people that give and those who don't. Not because of any, like they're, they're so cool and I cater to them. Not at all. Not at all. But there's something in the spiritual world. So I would encourage us to get into the generous zone, to take a risk with God. Hmm. I think the practice of tithing 10% of your income is a great starting point for developing a lifestyle of generosity. Not a rule that you have to be afraid of, but a guideline that empowers you guideline that gives you something that you know if you're shooting in the wrong direction. But of course, we don't stop there. Once we get into the zone of giving generously, 10%, man, sky's the limit. Yeah. Okay. I told you you're going to have another chance to text some questions. I've shared a lot of information. I think it's kind of clear where we're going and what, uh, what this is about, but I want to hear from you. So there's three questions. Tell me about the conflict happening in your mind and heart right now, or tell me what is being confirmed in your heart and mind. And thirdly, if you have a question, what questions do you have? You have three minutes this time to give some responses on your mark, get set, go.
<sighs> Lots of good responses. Some of these are very particular, and um, I will take some time this week to respond and then might address some, some of the common questions uh, next week. <laughs> some of you are like, oh, I'm already planning on being out of town next week. And, uh, so. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's... Uh, Ah, yeah, good stuff. A lot of bright people who were paying attention and who obviously are paying attention. All right, here's a conflict. Somebody said, my selfishness is my conflict. In my heart, I want to give, but not sure I can. I would imagine that this person speaks for many people. And uh, next week, you'll hear a testimony of someone I just did take the next step. And I might encourage you. Um, our experience has always been what it looks like on paper is not what it ends up being. Uh, yeah. Somebody said, though we have not had enough to pay all of our bills, we tithe, and somehow each month we've been able to pay our mortgage. I can say God provides even when it seems impossible. Let's get a little testimony right there. Um, several or a couple of people um, reference the reality that um, some of us wouldn't even know what 10% of our income is because we're not tracking our money at all. In other words, we need to steward what is giving. And so there's some question of like, are there ways that you can help us or the church can help us to steward our resources? Thank you for that. In the past, we have offered financial classes and maybe that's something that we uh, need to do in the, in the near term to help you, um, not just give, but also to steward and to spend appropriately. <laughs> Tony and I were laughing this week. It is, so many people that we know, like, I can't tithe, I can't afford to tithe, and yet they go on extravagant vacations all the time. Like, well, it's not about affording, it's about, you know, obedience and, yeah, not just living for yourself. So, But sometimes we don't even see that because we think that, well, the, you know, all of these things are requirements for my life. And then once I do all these things, then I'll give. And God says, well, first, God wants our first and our best. I think we said that a few times this morning already. <clears throat> um, hmm. There's some questions, and I think probably I'll, I'll take this on next, next week. Um, there's a question about giving towards specific like missions, opportunities. Is that different than what a tithe is? How is that different than offering? Some, one person that wrote just a great, um, like what does it mean to give to the local church? Um, and how does that relate to uh, the expression of the church around the world? And if I'm looking for a guideline of 10%, where does that start and stop? And yeah, I do have some thoughts about that and would, would be glad to um, put some time into helping us to understand how we're constructed. Um, the fact that our church, for example, 
It is the money that is given that goes into what goes out. We don't have some other foundation or denominational money that comes our way. It's all among us. And so maybe some understanding of how that works would be helpful for you to understand uh, what happens when you give and also um, would help you to understand when there's multiple giving opportunities, a way of constructing your life um, that works. So, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, somebody said, I give cheerfully now. It's been three years, uh, and it was reluctant. But since then, I've been given way more than I need, and we were able to offer to help in other areas because of God's faithfulness. What an amazing testimony. This person also said, this is the best message on tithing I've ever heard in my life, with seven exclamation points. So... (laughs) Okay. Oh, yeah, this is, this is really good. I'll, I'll address this publicly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, somebody said, question, the message is good. However, in the new member class, it sure seems the sign-up, new members we did last fall, that this, the, to sign your name on the dotted line runs counter to this message. Um, to sign to be a member of the covenant appears to be a legalistic rule based upon you know, a legalistic rule, can you please clarify? I would say that <laughs> this is my, this message is like real time. Isaac's like growing and learning about this. T- 10 years ago, I probably would have been a little bit more legalistic uh, about this. I still think 10% is a great guideline. But anyway, so we obviously need to update our language. So thank you for that. <clears throat> um, okay. All right, I need a young volunteer, Some, a young strapping lad, perhaps. Oh, Danny, you'd be perfect. <laughs> Daniel is headed to, on a mission trip to Guatemala. Come on up here. Can I tell them what you just said? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, He said, what a blessing. I was just starting to fall asleep. (laughs) Daniel, you, I love everybody in this church, but you're one of my favorites. So that is for sure. Up top. There we go. All right. All right, Daniel, I'm going to ask you just one-handed. I'm going to ask you just to pick that up. One-handed? Yep. You're strong, I can tell. Thank you. Cool. Now you just hold on to that. Don't rest it on your leg. That's cheating. (laughs) A couple of scriptures. (laughs) Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, somebody just asked the question of like, in my heart I want to give, but I'm, I'm not. What Jesus might say to you is, where your treasure is, there your heart's going to be fully. So there's a step and your heart is actually adjusted. How's that coming along? Uh, come on, great. Whenever I hear someone laugh, I know what they're laughing about. <laughs> yeah, you're doing great. Okay. <laughs> Jesus says, 
No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. How's it coming? Yeah. I can handle. So the. Keep going. Paul reflects in Acts 20, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself who said, it's more blessed to give than receive. Um, Philippians 4.19, my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. First Timothy, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. That's what Paul, Paul says. And then in Hebrews 13, do not... Rosa, Rosa. Forget to do good and share with others for which such sacrifices God is pleased. Here's how most of you are walking around with your money. You are just burdened trying to do it on your own and according to the conventions. And this is what your life starts to look like. You're fatigued, you're bedraggled. I'm serious. I'm serious. Dude, you're doing great. But this is honestly, when you come into my office and you're talking about money and you're talking about the challenges this is where you're at. You know what tithing does? Step right up there. Right? Drop that bad boy. How do you feel now that you dropped it? I can feel my fingers now. That's you feel my fingers. Can we give Daniel a hand? Dude. I would not be a good pastor to you if I didn't identify in this in your, in your life. To say that, that money and hanging on and trying to be our own provider and having a, a vision of wealth accumulation like the world does is what the kingdom is about and that you need to walk with this limp and this burden. No. What, is, what does it happen when we, when we begin to walk in generosity? We drop the weight. We are relieved. God says, I am your provider. Stop doing it all yourself. I've got this. You do not need to worry. You do not live in anxiety, but you do need to walk in obedience towards the kingdom value of generosity. God says, I am so generous. I've given to you. How much will I provide for you? I believe in the vision and the mission and the direction of this church. And I, do be I believe that every resource that is needed for us to fulfill our mission here on Sweagle and Cordon Road in 2023 and beyond is within our church family as we begin to walk in the extravagance of his generosity. Are you with me? Are you challenged? Do you feel empowered? Do you feel like we could go somewhere? I think we could do it together. And I'm going to invite you not just to feel this or be inspired by it, but to drop that weight and to watch what God will do. Amen. Amen.